Welcome back to another episode of A Gift from Adversity. Thank you so much for tuning in again. I'm very excited to have tonight's guest. But before I introduce my guest, I want to introduce my book. It is called A Gift from Adversity. I have published this book in 2022, sorry, 2020. And the subtitle is Overcoming Sexual Abuse, Domestic Violence, Bullying, and Homelessness. So I published this book to tell my story, my survival story from childhood trauma. And I felt really compelled to do this podcast and show to share my adversity and other people's adversity and how they overcame their adversities and a gift that came from the adversity. Today, we have Julie Holston as our guest, and she is going to share her story. Hi, Julie. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much, Drew. I was so excited. I kept looking at the clock. I'm like, is it time? Is it time? Is it time? I'm really glad to be here. Great. So, Julie, can you please tell our audience who you are and what you do? Well, my name is Julie Paulston. I am the founder and the owner of Divine Phoenix Rising. And my greatest mission in this world and passion is to empower women to rise from the ashes of their lives, to reclaim that divine inner phoenix, and to remember who they were before the world told them who they should be. So that's what I'm extremely passionate about, besides, you know, going to the beach and walking on the beach and my dog and my kids and grandkids. But uh, that is my driving force and has been since uh, what I call the trifecta of unfortunate events in 2020. So that is very powerful. And how can people find your business? So I'm on all social media. So I'm on Facebook, Instagram, um, and TikTok. That's kind of where my alternate personality comes out is on TikTok because it's fun for me. Uh, the quickest way to find me, though, is on Facebook, and I also have my own podcast called Be the Phoenix of Your Own Life. Great. Thank you so much. So let's jump into our main topic, which is adversity. So I have three questions during my show. The first one is, what was your adversity? And second one is, what are the tools that you use to overcome the adversity? And the third and last is, what's the gift that came from adversity? So Julie, please tell our audience, what was your adversity in your life? So I've had quite a few. Um, that's why I resonated with the Phoenix so much is because so many times in our lives, we've been in the ashes. We've had to rise out of those ashes. 2020 was the one thing that kicked me into what I'm doing now. And actually the universe said, okay, listen, we're done playing with you. It is time for you to step into your power. So in 2020, July 11th, I broke my wrist in three places. And at that time I was a educator for a fortune 500 company. I worked with stylists. I traveled, I did all that fun stuff. 2020 happened. I got stuck in my house. My attitude kind of really went bad. And so July 11th, I broke my wrist in three places. August 27th, I lost that job. And then September 15th, I had Hurricane Sally come into town and I had almost three feet of water in my house and I lost everything that I owned. Uh, I literally had to borrow a pair of flip-flops because I lost all my shoes, my clothes, the furniture, everything. 
And after that, I was basically homeless <laughs> and houseless and jobless <laughs> and a broken wrist. So it was it was definitely a time of adversity in my life. Definitely one of the major times in my life that I've been through the adversity. Wow, that's a lot to handle within a few months. Yeah, yeah. I figured out the date the other day from July 11th to September 15th at I was like, oh, well, that's like 90 days. It was just under 90 days. Like within three months, all of those things happened. And it kicked into a massive reset because it was, I had no choice. It was, this is what is happening. And I either can be really bitter or I can get better. And I had to make a choice of what I was going to do in my life. So prior to 2020, you had no problem. You are excelling. You are doing great. And then it just like things happen in like three months. Yeah. I mean, let's be real. I mean, I have 32 years of sobriety. So previous to that, that's why I resonated with you so much is because I've been homeless. I'm a victim of domestic violence. And, you know, all of those things have happened in my life. But leading up to 2020, I was in a really good space. I mean, I'm living close to the beach. I love my life. My kids are doing great. My grandkids are doing great. Life is good. And then we got hit by that trauma tsunami called COVID. And everybody got stuck in their house. And I think the trauma just really affected everybody in different ways. So I just want to ask a quick question about... Um, the hurricane. So I've watched the news, I've heard the story, and I've, you know, really, really like trying to understand what it is, but I have never experienced that in my life. And I actually never really talked to somebody who lost things. You are the first person other than watching the news that I've heard that somebody got like a direct damage It was, um, I woke up and it was funny because I've had people ask me, they're like, well, why didn't you leave? Why didn't you just go get out? Well, when Sally was coming up the Gulf of Mexico, they were like, oh, it's only a, it's only a category one. And I talked to people around me and they're like, oh, Julie, we have hurricane parties for this. I was like, oh, I don't know. And they're like, it's going to be fine. Well, unfortunately, she meandered around the Gulf and then got stronger and stronger. And by the time she hit land, she was almost a category three. She was like four miles an hour under the wind was like four miles an hour underneath the category three. So the wind was over a hundred miles an hour and you don't have time in that to like pack your stuff and get out. So I woke up at about midnight and I could hear like dripping and I thought, okay, why is there dripping in my room? And so I stood up and there was, I stood up into water. There was probably three inches of water in my house at that time. And so that will instill a panic in you that I've never felt before. I've been through some scary stuff in my life. Waking up out of a dead sleep and stepping into three inches of water is is a sensation that I hope that nobody has to go through or I and I never have to go through again, ever again. So yeah, we, we evacuated. I grabbed my dog, got out in the middle of the night, um, was able, was lucky enough. I was dialing for dollars. Like I was calling my friends, like, I need to get out of my house. What do I do? 
I couldn't get to them because the roads to them were flooded. And then I had one friend, she's like, just come on. And so we were able to get out in the middle of the night. So I evacuated. And by the time I left jury, so when I woke up, there was about three inches of water in my bedroom. There wasn't water in the rest of the house. But by the time I left my house, there was six inches of water in my house. It just rose. And I mean, I had to carry my dog out and it was just like, I looked out my front window and there were waves in my front yard and the water was like through my door. It was, it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty scary. Wow. So, and then you said three feet at the end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The water line in my house when I came back. So I came back the next day because the hurricane had calmed down and I came back the next day to see the damage. And I, I took a video of it. I actually have a video of me walking in the door. And when I came back, there was still almost a foot of water in the house, but you can see the water line of where the water was in my house and like all my furniture, like everything, things were floating in my house. My shoes were floating down the hall. It was just, yeah. And I, it's, it was, I laugh about it and I, and I smile about it now because I've walked through it and now I'm rebuilding and I understand what it takes to walk, to work through the trauma and to release the trauma. So that's been very, very helpful doing the healing for me and just going back and realizing that I did the best I could with what I had in that moment. That is really crazy. Oh my goodness. So but then you had a broken wrist too? Yeah. I broke my right wrist, which is my dominant hand. I broke it in three places July 11th. So I already had a broken wrist. I just lost my job. And then here comes the hurricane. So yeah, it was, it was a little bit of adversity. <laughs> just, just a little bit. Wow. I am very sorry to hear this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for willing to share. And all the victims of... Um, hurricanes um, I've watched on the TV and I just really can't imagine how scary it is and then in Japan we have tsunami and 2011 we had a big earthquake in Japan and yeah. I was there three days before it happened I left the country and oh. very close um, some of my friends brother um was a victim and survivor but you know still trauma and everything so i i just can't especially the water like that situation of waking up in, in the middle of the night and then stepping into the water in the house i can't even imagine yeah it was it was definitely something that i choose never to experience again i i was just telling somebody i said even if it says it's only a category one, I don't even care. I'm just going to pack my stuff and I'll go east or north or I'll just get out of the path because I don't ever want to experience that again. And I think one of the things that I realized throughout it, though, even though I lost everything, is that I gained a sense of rebuilding and rebirth. And I gained so much from it and learning that at the end of the day, everything that surrounds us is just stuff. You know, I lost a lot of pictures. I lost a lot of things that were very valuable to me. I was able to save a lot of my pictures. Um, 
But at the end of the day, honestly, it's stuff. The memories are in my head. You know, I can think about my kids when they were little. The memories are in my head. I was able to save a lot of my pictures. So that was really good. But like the couches and the beds and all that stuff, it's it's stuff. It's replaceable. You know, I can't replace my dog. I can't replace me. I can't replace those things that are so very important. I can't replace those. But the stuff, eh, I can replace it. Wow. So let's talk about the tools that you had used to overcome this, you know, adversity that you went through in 2020. You kind of mentioned a little bit, but my point of the show is to show people from the guests who went through adversity, what kind of things that they used that worked to overcome as a tool uh, to combat that adversity. So what was your best tool to overcome this adversity? I think the biggest help for me was realizing that it was okay to grieve. It was okay to feel like crap. It was okay to be scared. It was okay to feel all of the feelings that I felt. Because I, I think that so often with traumas, we compare my trauma to somebody else's and go, oh, well, you know, mine wasn't that bad, so I'm not going to feel really bad about it. If you've experienced something that is put you, that was an adversity or a challenge or something like that, you have the right to be, it's okay to not be okay. And I started uh, my coaching business and I ran into somebody and I... It was divinely guided, I already know, that does NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming. And so I was able to go back and to work through the event and to reach out to the people that would help me with the tools. Because it would be really super easy for me to just get in that swirling vortex of doom and just sit there and feel sorry for myself and be upset. But I knew that I needed to reach out and it was okay to ask for help. And it was okay to say, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't feel good right now. And I just, I need help. And I think that when we go through adversity, we, we don't want to ask for help because we think that, oh, well, it's not that bad. I can handle it. It's okay. I'll just push through it and I'll power through it and it'll be fine. It's realizing that it is okay to ask for help, that it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to just feel whatever it is that you're feeling, and then find the people that can help lead you through it so that you can integrate the feelings and work through them so that you can work through the trauma and it doesn't stay with you. And it's not something that replays in your brain over and over and over again. Yes. So is there any advice that people gave you that really helped you or resonated you during that time? Oh yeah. I spent a lot of time journaling. I spent a lot of time journaling. I spent a lot of time looking at how I felt. Uh, I spent a lot of time reaching out to people that had either been through a tragedy or an adversity. And I just asked them, I'm like, how did you get through it? So I spent a lot of time journaling. I spent a lot of time doing deep healing work, looking at my life, looking at okay, so this happened to me. 
Am I going to let this define who I am? Or am I going to use it to define my future? Am I going to use this as a tool to better myself? Or am I going to use it as a crutch to stay in a victim and be like, oh, this happened to me? Oh, look at what happened to me. And once I got out of the self-pity about, because I did, trust me, I sat in that pit for a while. And then once I started doing the work and the journaling and the healing and reaching out to the people that I knew could help me heal, that's when the transformation started. That's when I really started looking at my life and going, I have the ability to start over and create my life however I want. And that was the defining moment is I was sitting in my living room, my walls, I'm in my office, This I'm in the house that was destroyed, I'm back in the house, and they took the sheetrock from four feet down. So you could literally sit in my garage and look all the way through my house, all the way to the other end of my house. And I remember sitting in the living room and I just started screaming. I just started screaming and I had a moment And in that moment, it was, I just felt, okay, listen, kid, you can either let this define you or you can now create the life that you want. Which do you want to do? Wow. So that's what I did. That's really powerful. And to be so resilient and have that defining moment was that like how soon was it after this adversity happened like a year after or no no this was this was probably maybe a month after it happened um because i knew that i was like okay i'm sitting there i have no job You know, I don't have a job. I don't have any income coming in. I had to liquidate my 401k. You know, I had to do all these emergency things just to survive. And so it was really going back to what I tell my now clients is that if you want it, you can believe it and take the little tiny baby steps to make it happen. And so in that moment is when I decided that this, this moment, it wasn't going to define who I was. I'm not a victim. You know, I'm not this person that is just going to sit in the, in the pit and ask everybody to help me. Yes. I asked for help. Yes. I had amazing, incredible people that did a GoFundMe for me and all of that, because to top it all off, I didn't have flood insurance. I had hurricane insurance and I thought that that would cover everything for the hurricane. But then when I went to the insurance company, they're like, "Mm, yeah, no, you needed flood insurance. So we can't help you. Yeah. So that was just like the nail in the coffin that I think that happened. And I just was like, okay, that's it. I'm done. (laughs) Can I just, can I have a mulligan? Can I just start over? Can we just be done with this? Cause this is not okay. This is not okay. Wow. Well, I I really appreciate you sharing all these stories and for for some listeners who might be um uh, who might have been through the hurricane situation, losing the home, losing the job. Um, 
maybe they can get so much out of this interview. And then I'm just curious about your picture in the back and then the Phoenix. And I know you briefly mentioned at the introduction how you were empowering women, especially. I was just curious about that. And then using that method for yourself as well, that maybe helped you to get to where you are right now. Would you tell us a, a little bit more? So after this happened, um, I was looking for a job and with what I did being an educator and in the middle of a pandemic, they weren't hiring anybody that did what I did. And so I had been getting these little nudges from the universe saying, Hey, you've got something coming. You need to follow through with this. And so I started following the nudges and met someone who helped me to design a course because she said, Julie, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to empower women to rise from the ashes because we as women, we are the healers. We are the mothers. We are the, the ones that can bring healing to the world. And we can only do that if we have healed ourselves. And we can only do that when we allow ourselves to rise from those ashes and to remember who you were before the what we call the four M's, matriculation, marriage, motherhood, and then menopause. You have these four things that you go through as a woman. None of that defines you. Who were you before that? Who were you as a little girl what were your dreams? What lit you up inside? What are the things that you wanted to do? And that's going back to that because in that is so much magic that we just leave on the table because we think that we have to follow the certain path. You know, I, I have to go to college then I have to get married. Then I have to have my 2.5 kids with my house with a picket fence. And then I have to work for this. And it's like there's so much life out there that is waiting for you. And that version of you that is strong and independent and healed and loving and kind and that just kick-ass version of you is just waiting for you to just come back into yourself and just come back into who you are. And how I did that is truly through the NLP is doing the healings and doing the work with the unconscious mind and going through and letting those things go that have just been weighing down on me from the time I was a child. And remembering that when I was a child, I liked to play in mud puddles. So like a month ago, I just got this nudge. It was pouring down rain. I was like, eh. and then that voice came in and I could literally hear my mom, honey, why are you going to go play in the mud puddles? It's going to get all dirty and blah, blah, blah. And I thought, why not? And so I went out and splashed around in the mud puddles. And it was like, I, and it was funny because it got to the point where I just stood there with my arms out and I was like, I just let the rain fall. And it was just a magical moment. And those are the little tiny moments that can bring us back to who we were before everybody told us who we should be, not who we could be. It's very interesting. And then you said you went through domestic violence as well. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Back in 1996, 1997, um, it was uh, my first husband tried to kill me. Uh, he he decided that, you know, that he did not want me in the plant on the planet anymore. Uh, and through that, 
even then I didn't understand healing. I just thought, you know, it was something that I had done. Maybe if I'd have been nicer, maybe if I hadn't spoken up or maybe if I'd done this better, then he wouldn't have been abusive. Or maybe if I just kept my mouth shut, you know, all those things that we do and the things that we say, I kept thinking, you know, well, maybe I could do different when it really had nothing to do with me, had nothing to do with me, had to do with his toxicity and the the trauma that he'd experienced. And it just, it was a time in my life that I moved through and like my sobriety, I've moved through it. And there's been so many times that I have been in the ashes and been in that time where I didn't even know where I was going to eat next or where I was going to sleep or any of that. And like I said, that's why I identified with your stories, because when you've been homeless, when you've been that victim, when you've been in those shoes, anybody that hasn't been in those shoes cannot tell you how your feet feel. They just cannot tell you how your feet feel. And so it takes someone to be able to empathize with you, to be able to say, even even if you and I've been in the same shoes, your shoes might be different than mine. Your, your shoes might've been a little bit more painful than mine, but I can understand and empathize with you and sympathize with you because I know what it feels like. And so that's what I do now is that's my driving force is that once we have a global healing of the women, we will heal the world. We will be the ones that heal the world. That is very inspiring and interesting, especially the four M's. I've never heard of that terms. And I've lost myself yeah. in some of those M's. Yep. And I just didn't think of the childhood that was really helpful me going through like sexual abuse, physical abuse when I was like between eight to 13, I was hell. But prior to that, I had some happy moments and I had some, this, some hoops and, you know, playing in a forest or, you know, just like being creative and fearless. And, but now all the social pressure, I was just talking to my friend who came on my show last night that culturally that we to be submissive mm-hmm. the emotion to men and that is a huge brainwash that yeah. after I went through two marriages and then divorces and going through very traumatic um, situations from it that you just lose yourself yeah yeah and that's why I'm so passionate about what I do is because I know that when you, and you lose yourself and people are like, oh, well, I need to find myself again. You're not lost. You're not some, something that you dropped and, and you can't, it's not like your car keys have disappeared. You're a human being that it's not that you are lost. It's rediscovering because that little girl, like you said, that liked to play in the forest and was creative and had dreams and had passions. She's still in there. It's not about finding her. It's about rediscovering her, allowing her to come up, ask her, 
there's so many times where I'll just ask like, okay, like little Julie, what do you want to do today? What brings you joy? And to, for me, 2022 this year is the year that I am unapologetically who I am. I cuss, I'm cute, I'm determined, I'm all of these things, and I'm not going to apologize for who I am anymore. I'm not going to apologize for how I feel. I will always be kind. I quit being nice this year. I'm no longer nice because when you're nice, you don't have any boundaries. When you're kind, you have boundaries. When you're nice, you'll just jump in the pit with your friend and be like, oh, hey, how are we going to get out of here? They'll get up on your shoulders. They'll get out of the pit. And guess who's left in the pit? You are. So being kind, the difference between being nice and being kind is when you're kind, you'll put a ladder down and say, I believe in you. You can do this. Here are the steps you need to take. And allow them to take the steps instead of just trying to jump in and rescue them. And then you're sitting in the bottom of the pit and now you're pissed off because now you're in the bottom of the pit and nobody's coming to help you. That is like very interesting analysis. Yeah, I tell people, don't be nice. Don't be nice. Be kind. Because kind has boundaries. Kind stands up and says, you don't get to talk to me like that. I appreciate how you feel. However, this is my boundary and I respect myself enough and love myself enough to not allow you to cross it. And if you can't respect my boundary, then we have nothing left to talk about. No more being nice. I will be kind. I will give you the ladder. I will give you the instructions. I will share with you step by step by step how to get out of the pit. If you're not willing to take the first step, if you just want me to reach down and grab you and pull you out, it's not going to happen. I will do whatever I can from above the pit, but I'm not going to get down in the pit with you. That is such an empowering image that I've never heard of. And I'm the type of person who want to help. Mm-hmm. And I could see how I can help, but then mm-hmm. I end up being in the pit, like you said. Yeah. And they take advantage of me and it says some nasty stuff to me. Uh-huh. Yep. Well, it's think big. about the crab mentality. So if you have a pot of crabs and, and you're going to cook these crabs, one crab is trying to get out. The rest of them are grabbing them to pull it down so that they can get out. But if you're the one on top and you hand a ladder down then that crab can get out. But if you jump into the boiling water with it, you're going to die just along with them. Then you're going to be mad because, well, they didn't help me the way I thought they should help me. That's that victim mentality that it doesn't do anybody any good. And once you can step out of it and be able to help someone and say, I got you, I love you, I care about you, I honor you, I respect you, and I'm going to help you, to take the steps that you need to take. Because if I do it for you, what have you learned? What lesson did you learn? That's very powerful. Well, thank you so much, Julie. And I want to really shift the last question, which is a gift. And you shared a lot with me already, 
But when you identify a gift that came from adversity, what do you say it was? Freedom. I was set free. I was set free. When I broke my wrist and I lost my job, those were the steps that had to happen when the hurricane came. Even when the, just before the hurricane, I was searching for a job and I was like, I have to find a job. I have to do this. And my soul was screaming at me. This is not what you need to do, but I wouldn't listen. So it took me losing everything to find the freedom, to be able to rebuild my life, to be able to recreate my life. The best gift that I got out of all of that was freedom the freedom to become who I've always wanted to be and to who I always have been internally and learn to take the steps to stand in my truth and stand in my power and stand in who I am and be unapologetic in who I am. Because the people that are meant to be in my life will find me. But so often we lose ourselves in our marriages, in our relationships, in our jobs. And somebody asks you, who are you? The first thing you do is you give them your job title. Instead of who are you? That's what I gained is I gained the freedom to be able to be who I am at my core unapologetically. And let me tell you, it's taken me two years of working through a lot of deep stuff. But now I have that power. I get to be able to do that. I, I switched the vernacular from I have to do this, I have to do this, to I get to do this. Every day I get to get up. Every day I get to pay my bills. Every day I get to go and do things. I don't have to do anything. I used to say the only two things that I have to do is be white and die. I don't even have to do that. Go get a spray tan. And when you die, do you really die or do you just keep going on to different realms? I mean, you can go as far down that rabbit hole as you want to go. But seriously, you don't have to do anything. You get to. You get to live this life. You get to share this world. So that's what I gained. Is I gained freedom. And it's just best thing that ever happened to me. That is amazing and incredible. I got goosebumps listening to you. you. And just to share, in my book, A Gift from Adversity, that... I was homeless when I was 18 and I found this job at the resort hotel. It's in my book in Japan when I was 18, 19, living, working, serving people. Now I got money to live by myself in Tokyo and I started a commission job and I got train trainer. I, um, I had a trainee and with the promotion, it came with great responsibility, which I couldn't take it anymore. And when I quit, I had this identity crisis and I was crying. So I went back to the resort hotel to talk to the owner and I can never forget what he said to me. Jerry, why are you crying? And and then he's like, why are you crying? Wasn't that your choice? And then I'm like, it was. And so I didn't, have, yeah. I didn't have to work. I didn't have to put this pressure on me. And then from now, from then on, I decided to not use I have to, but I want to. Just like yeah. you, like I get to. Yep. There's nothing that you have to, nothing that, well, after becoming a homeless, I could be homeless today. Yeah. I don't have to work. 
but I want to, or I get to, like you said. And the freedom part, I don't think I'm at that point yet, Julie, to be honest with you, to set myself free and then feel free and unapologetically. I think it's due to my cultural background and brainwash and then being a woman and then being so valued by the relationship, not your career or yourself. Yep. And so that part, I haven't really felt felt the freedom and unapologetically part. So I really admire you. And then someday maybe I get to feel that way completely. You will. You will. Once. And here's the thing that's funny is that now that you and I've had that conversation, that that idea is in your head now. Now, now you're like, what would, and start asking yourself, what would I feel like if I was free? What would I feel like if I was unapologetic about who I am? What would I do? Who would I sit with? Who would I talk to? Who are the friends that I would have? And then all you have to do is start asking yourself those questions. You'll get the answers and then just take little tiny itty bitty baby steps. You don't have to take a big leap. But think about who would I be if I was unapologetically me? Where would I go to eat? Where would I shop? What would I do? And then embody that in any way, shape, or form that you can, even if it's little teeny tiny baby steps. That is so powerful. I'm tearing up. Thank you so much for sharing that, Julie. You've been so lovely and kind. (laughs) Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Do you have any last word for our audience? I will close with the same thing that I close with on my podcast. And I tell people all the time is that you're enough. You were born enough. You're enough as you sit. You will always be enough. You're not too tall. You're not too short. You're not too thin. You're not too fat. You're not too light. You're not too dark perfection, divinity, magic, and stardust wrapped up in a human experience. And if you could only see the divine light that shines back from your eyes, Jerry, you'd never doubt your greatness again. Well, thank you, Julie. I will have to digest that overnight. And I truly appreciate you sharing your time with me today and coming thank on you. to my diversity. Thank you. It was my pleasure. I'm so glad that I did this. It just, it's perfect end to a perfect day. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, thank you everyone for listening to our show, Again from University. And then I have really great guests coming up. So look forward to more episodes of Again from University. Have a wonderful night. Thank you.